0: All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of All the Hard Things. I am here again with Erin Meinl from Lake Country Sleep. Um, If you haven't caught it already, there's already another episode recently that she was on um, where we talked about sleep tips for baby and routines and all of that stuff. And so if you have not checked out that episode, definitely, whether it's after this one or maybe you take a pause and go back and and listen to that one, definitely check it out because tons and tons of awesome tips and resources and all that good stuff. So Erin is a mom of two. She's also a sleep consultant, and I love where she's coming from as a mom. We were just kind of talking before the episode of how we both have had these moments of like oh my gosh, if I'm struggling this much, I have to help other women. I have to help other women. And so I know where Erin's heart is. I know that her soul is in the right place, and she is just motivated to help other women have a better motherhood journey. So Erin, thank you so much for being here. Today, we're talking about something that is definitely a hard thing for me. It was a hard thing for me, which is sleep training. Dun, dun, dun. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of people have a lot of feelings about sleep training and Aaron is going to iron that all out for us. We're going to go over it all and you know, I'll let Aaron take the lead here, but just know that we're, we're here to support people regardless of whether they want to sleep train, whether they don't, no matter what your feelings are about it, we're just here to talk to you more about it and hopefully reduce some of that guilt. If it's something that you do want to do and you just can't bring yourself to do it. So
1: Aaron, thank you again so much. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me, Jenna. Um, yeah, I I really want to highlight on this episode, you know, why I do what I do with helping other moms if they want to do this. Um, I come from a no judgment zone and also a place of you know empathy, having been there, done that. Uh, when I had my first son, the lack of sleep brought me to my knees. And if I could help relieve that for someone, you know, I was going to. Um, And then I also wanna talk a lot about, you know, the mom guilt that goes along with making a decision like that and maybe ease some of that for you if sleep training is something you're considering because of my experience and my expertise. I feel like I can shine a little light on that as well and maybe, um, you know, lessen any anxiety anyone's having about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I feel like you were like me. I also had these feelings of, I'm never going to sleep train my child. Like, that's not, it wasn't, it didn't align with our values at first until it got to the point where I was like, I have no choice. <laughs> I have to do something. I cannot function like this anymore. And so then it ended up being really great for our family. And honestly, I feel like a lot of Eli's childhood was like before sleep training and after sleep training, because we just all functioned so much better afterwards. So so yeah, I can relate to that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I have to help other women through this because I had that apprehension too. And it ended up being it ended up getting to the point for me too, where I really wanted to do sleep training, but the guilt of it was what held me back. And that's what I don't want to be the guiding decision for moms. Like if it's within your values to not do it, that's fine. But if it's if you want to and you're desperate to, but mom guilt is holding you back, we're here to buff some of that for you. So why do you think there's so much stigma behind sleep training? Talk to us about that.
1: Well, I think a lot of people think that you know, I'm sure you've heard of cry it out. Like, I'm not going to leave my baby to cry. And they, that's what people think sleep training is. And that is one specific method of sleep training. Um, and when, when I work with clients, like, we use a holistic approach. We're not just picking a method and going with it because chances are you're going to fail. You need to have all of these other pieces in place, too, um, to To make sure that everything fit, fits for your child and your family and what you're comfortable with, because if you're not comfortable with it, you are not going to be successful. Um, and if you don't have a plan, you're not going to be successful. So those are some of the pieces that I help provide for you so that you can be comfortable and successful with it without having to worry that you know you're damaging your child or doing cry it out because I don't believe in that method um, at, you know, starting out, like there are, there's a time and a place. And I talk through that with families, if we get to that point, and, you know, what the, what the benefits and risks essentially would be um, to doing it. Um, And we kind of go from there. So it's something we do together. It's not anything, I'm not ever going to make anyone Do anything they're not comfortable with. I will outline for them, you know, the benefits and um, kind of talk through and coach them through it. Um, But you, it's not something you have to do alone either. Um, And it's kind of like you said before, you know, you came from the the beginning of your parenting journey you didn't think sleep training would be something for you. And now it was such a pivotal moment that you talk about before sleep training and after sleep training, you know, um, it can make a very, very big difference. And there's a reason that maternal mental health, um, is so aligned with a lack of sleep. Um, there are struggles when we don't get enough sleep and I never thought I would sleep train my child either or my children, I should say. Um, But when it came down to it, I wasn't being the mom I wanted to be. And I wasn't, I knew I wasn't responding to my child the way I wanted to, because I was always tearful and overtired and stressed. And that's not how I wanted my motherhood journey to be. And I decided, like I said before, you know, it brought me to my knees, something had to change. And, you know, I researched and did what I needed to do and found a method and strategies I was comfortable with, and we did it, and we have never looked back. It was life-changing for us, and I feel like I am a much better mom when I'm also serving myself by getting the basic need of sleep, and I know that my child is also getting the basic need of sleep. Um, I think I had mentioned this in the other episode we did, um, I was, you know, miserable. I felt terrible. I was sleep deprived, emotional. I was a wreck. And when it, this is what really made me decide I need to do this. Is I recognized how crummy and awful I was feeling from lack of sleep. How was my baby feeling from lack of sleep? He wasn't sleeping, and I wasn't sleeping. So clearly, no one's benefiting here. Um, And that's when we made the decision to do something about it. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, you bring up such a good point. It's not just the mom who suffers or the parent who suffers whenever the baby's not sleeping. I mean, it's obviously the child too. And we talked about this a little bit in the previous episode about sleep tips and whatnot, but they need our help that it's a, it's like a skill and they need our help sometimes in learning and it, and making those associations to how to get to sleep and i don't i don't i know that i definitely didn't think of baby sleep that way i thought that it would come way more natural to them and to me and so yeah and I, and i like that you're busting this idea that sleep training doesn't equal just allowing your baby to be alone in the crib and cry, and you never go in. I know that's one way of looking at it, but there are other ways of doing sleep
1: training that are less aggressive than that, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word to use. Yeah, no, that's it exactly. I mean, there are four main methods of sleep training, and, you know, when when I work with clients, I have them fill out a questionnaire. So I know exactly, you know, what age their child is, what stages of development they are going through or have gone through already. So I know, okay, they might respond better to this method than this method. And I can also take into consideration, you know, what, what are the parents comfortable with or not comfortable with? Um, and then to top it off, when we are working together, there are times where I'll say, okay, this isn't going how i'd like it to let's switch strategies and do this and that's the beauty of the support of my packages is you have me guiding you through it so you know it's a fluid plan we don't need to it's not like if you read a book and it says do this and this and this that's not going to work for all children because all children are different so when i work with clients one-on-one i'm able to differentiate to help them meet their goals Um, in a way that they're comfortable with so we can offer those different methods you know based on those different things and based on what we're seeing how the baby's responding to what what modifications we're making Mm -hmm. yeah
0: that's so helpful so so when we talk about like the different methods right so we are all probably familiar with the concept of quote-unquote sleep training where you just leave your baby to cry infinitely and you do not do anything right like you just right. let them go you let them go you let them go we don't need to get too far into it but like for the mom out there who has never heard of it being done any other way can you just give us a brief rundown of like what are some other ways that that might look for people where you can still do some element of sleep training but it's not this uh, this aggressive way or this um Kind of maybe hardcore way of doing it and again i'm using words like hardcore and aggressive if you've done this with your child and that's within your line of values and you feel good about that and it works for your family that's great no judgment <laughs> like i'm using words just because it's an extreme version of it um but yeah aaron what are some other ways that this might look a little bit different for women out there
1: yeah so it, and it's not really a secret. There are different ways to do this different methods. And it's like you said, one extreme would be cry it out, which is also referred to as the extinction method, where basically you're putting the baby in their room when it's time for bed. You know, you go through the routine, you leave them in there and you don't go back in until morning uh, when it's time to get them up. So that would be one end of the extreme. The other extreme would be like, um, somewhat of a pick up, put down method where you are not allowing your baby to cry um, in their bed at all. You would pick them up and calm them. And then once they're calm, lay them back down. Um, so when we think about like the two ends of the extremes, um, obviously one is going to work a lot faster than the other uh, because you're, you're giving your baby the opportunity to totally figure it out on their own without intervening. Uh, if you're doing extinction versus like more of a pickup put down where you are doing a lot of helping and they're not really figuring it out um, all at once. So it takes longer. Um, And then there are two other methods, which are the two that I always start with when I'm working with clients. One is um, like more of a leave and check method where we have, we pick a timed interval um, and, you know, we ca- I kind of discuss that with the families. What are you comfortable with? What are your thoughts on this or this? And as we're doing our consultation, we talk through all of those things. Um, and then, so that's a little less extreme than extinction, um, but even less extreme than that would be um, like a gradual release method where the parent is in the room with the child and the first few nights um, they're, you know, right next to the child offering support and comfort and then we gradually move them out of the bedroom over the course of a few weeks time. So it's, again, not as slow as a pick up put down method would be, um, but it's a little more supportive than uh, the timed intervals or extinction would be. So there's lots of ways to do it. And then there's even other strategies that I have families implement based on what we're seeing as we go. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's so helpful. So so we've talked about kind of the stigma behind it, right? And, and maybe the basics of why women or or men or, or anybody might feel this hesitancy to do it. So some women out there may be concerned about certain things like, you know, is, is listening to my baby cry or, or leaving them to cry? Is that going to affect their attachment to me? Um you know, if it's not done the right way, is, am I going to mess up my child? So can you speak to any of those worries that maybe moms are experiencing out there who are listening?
1: Definitely. So there are plenty of studies out there and Jenna, I can email you some to link in the show notes if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, there are plenty of studies that have found that babies who have settled to sleep on their own are just as likely to be as securely attached as those who are soothed to sleep in other ways. So um, a lot of these studies uh, have looked at the kids when they are either later on in preschool or around age five or six, and they compare them to kids who were soothed to sleep in other ways. There's no difference. So there are no long-term effects according to those studies. And, you know, I have personal experience with it. I have client experience with it. Um, and just based on the science behind it and what I've learned and studied, like it's, it doesn't affect the attach, a secure attachment to your child. And I would even be one to argue that it would promote a stronger attachment. I mean, I have, I have two boys Um, My first son, we sleep trained when he was around five months old. And, you know, guess who his favorite person in the world is? (laughs) It's me. Guess who he comes running to every time he falls down or gets an owie? It's me. Guess who he is most securely attached to in the entire world? It's me. Um, He's a great sleeper. He gets... 11 to 12 hours of sleep every night. He takes decent naps during the day. All of his basic needs are met. And, you know, he, he's had that scale since he was five months old. Um, my other son, we were able to start implementing a healthy sleep foundation right from the start with him as a newborn because, you know, I had this education and knew better. And guess who he cries <laughs> guess who cries if I walk out of the room, you know? So I'm, I'm here to argue the fact that not only are there, you know, scientific studies and evidence that back up the fact that this doesn't affect secure attachment, um, but in fact, the opposite. When, in the other episode, we talked about um, the riding the bike analogy. Um, When you're teaching a child to ride a bike, you know, at first, you're not just going to give them the, the helmet and the bicycle and say, go do it because they've probably never seen it done. They don't know how to do it. They wouldn't know where to start. Um, when we think about sleep training, we're not just going to throw the baby in the bed without doing a bedtime routine and changing their diaper and making sure the environment is right. Like we're going to have all of that in place first. And, you know, when we think about the different methods, extinction would be more like putting them in the bed and leaving them to figure it out. They will if given the time, would likely figure it out. Um, However, when we think of teaching to ride a bike, we wanna make sure that we're right there to show them, to guide them, to support, and eventually to kind of let go and cheer them on in the background. So that's exactly what I do with families. When we're working together and implementing these other types of methods for sleep training. um, We're allowing your child the space to learn it, but we are right next to them, guiding them, supporting them, and cheering them on. So with that idea in mind, we're actually strengthening um, the attachment they have to us because they know that even when they're doing hard things, we're right there helping them through it. And You know, you can use that analogy in so many different things and in life in general. Our children are going to have struggles, right? And we want to make sure that Guess who they can come back to anytime they need anything. Us, we're there for them. Um, And it's the same with the sleep training process. We're going to be there for them if they need us. We're not, we're not neglecting them. Um, You'll see other studies out there that argue the opposite. Um, but those were extreme measures, and there have been, um, if you're familiar with Dr. Sears and his attachment parenting, um, and I'm not, like like you said before, like, I'm not here to judge or if this is your style, like, if, it's, if it works for you, great. Like, I'm not here to ch- change that. I'm just here to help people if that's not working for them. Um But anyway, there have, he referenced some studies in his book, and people, the people who did those studies came out and refuted what he was saying, saying he took their study out of context. Like, they were talking about, like, when kids were neglected and left, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't have the secure attachment because of other reasons, and um, I'm probably going on a tangent here, but... um, There is plenty of science and, you know, research to back up that this doesn't affect attachment and leaving your baby to cry for, even if you were to choose a cry it out or extinction method, um, the science says even within 30 minutes of their, their crying bout, um, their cortisol levels, which is the stress hormone, uh, is back to what it was before, um, before the crying started. So there's no long-term effect. Um, So that's just a little bit of the science behind it. And like I said, with my personal experience, it's not really when we we respond, it's how we respond to our children is what uh, helps them form a healthy, secure attachment. So I just wanna say that again, it's not when, but how, and I'm obviously, I'm not saying don't, don't neglect your child. No, but it's how you respond to them. And if, if you're responding in a, um, consistent and sensitive manner, you are going to have a healthy attachment with your child.
0: That's so helpful. I love the, uh, the literature and the research behind it. And, and like you said, there's always going to be one research article that comes out. That's like, no, this isn't, this is actually really bad and you can mess up your child's attachment. And even though it's outweighed by several other really awesome literature reviews or research articles, and it's, it's easy as moms to kind of latch onto that. Well, that one article said, or, or I heard this one time, um, and so I always have to bring it back to, to like, what's the alternative? And, and like this, this has been helpful for me so far as like screen time goes. So I know sleep and screen time, all lots of things that people feel guilty about. Like if I can do something for 30 minutes and give my son the pad, the, the iPad, That's maybe not ideal, but if the alternative is that I don't get my stuff done and I'm just antsy and distracted and anxious and irritable, I'd rather just give him the iPad so that I can then be in a better mood and be more present for him later. And I see, I feel the same with this sleep issue, right? Like if I can you know, tolerate the crying here. And, you know, I'm going to be able to form an even stronger bond with my child potentially because he's sleeping better, because I'm sleeping better. Um, There's always a cost, right? So like, yeah, the cost is that, you know, you're going to have to feel the the discomfort of hearing your baby cry. No mama likes that. You might feel that guilt or that uncertainty that you're not doing something correctly or that you're going to, you know, harm your attachment with your baby. But at the same time, we could be doing that still by being irritable throughout the day by being, you know, on our phones, trying to Google what, how do I get my child to sleep? Like there's a give and a take. And, and by promoting the sleep for your baby, you're going to be able to help them get through the night. And you're also going to be positively affecting your own
1: mental health too. So I think that's super, super important. I love that. And that's, that's a great example, Jenna, is with the screen time thing, you know, We know the recommendations and we know what we should do but when it comes down to it like you also need to be able to be the kind of parent you want to be and if giving him the ipad for 30 minutes allows you to do what you need to do to to respond to him in a consistent and sensitive way then that's you you know supporting that attachment so yeah absolutely so
0: excited to share with you guys a planner that I've had for months now, and now I have an absolutely incredible offer so that you can enjoy it with me. I've tried yearly planners, blank diaries, and everything in between, all the way from back when I was in high school. Silk and Sonder is the perfect planner that I've been waiting for for years. Silk & Sonder is a self-care monthly planner and journal subscription service, including monthly, weekly, and daily planning pages, plus activities that change each month and are targeted to help with your self-care. You'll get coloring pages, recipes, habit trackers, journaling prompts, and more. Silk & Sonder offers monthly, quarterly, annual, and gift subscriptions. It's the first ever monthly planning experience aimed to empower you to live the life that you've always wanted. Inspired by a new theme each month, they hand curate, design, and deliver each issue straight to your doorstep. You'll love each month's blend of productivity and planning, introspection and mindfulness, and lifestyle content. I've been using mine for months, and I'll honestly never go back to a regular planner ever again. For 25% off your order, head to my website at jennaoverbod.com and click on Deals. Just thinking of the mamas out there who are kind of on the fence about it, they're really tentative. They're not sure. I, I know some little things that helped me get through that initial phase, like that first day, that first night of doing the sleep training and full disclosure, we did a, a method where like we would allow him to cry for small increments of time, then go in and check and then leave and gradually increase the time. And honestly, I felt like it was going to be terrible. It wasn't actually that bad, as our most horrible things in life, right? Like, they're not always as bad as we think that they're going to be. Mm -hmm. I thought, for sure, worst-case scenario, he'd be crying for hours. I think the most – the biggest increment that he ever cried was, like, seven minutes or something like that. (laughs) Like, so I – I want to ask you too, like, what are some practical tips that you think could get a mom through that first night, you know, that first couple nights where they're just having a really hard time listening to their baby cry? Some things that's, that helped me was I knew right ahead of time, I had to set a timer because I knew that listening to him cry, I would think that it would take like 35 minutes, but then I would look at my clock and it was like two minutes <laughs> and that was helpful yeah. because I didn't allow my mind to wander away from me. Like I didn't allow my anxiety to make this catastrophe of things. Like I had the timer going and it was like, okay, it it feels like this has been going on forever, but it's only been two minutes. So that was helpful. Um, It was also helpful for me to like put headphones in and like listen to some music. I had already committed to like, I'm staying out here for the next five minutes what, like, I I have to, if it helps me be able to do that more consistently, I would listen to some music in my headphones. And I think there was also, I heard from one mom, like, that they actually would go for a walk, like that they would maybe even like the dad was better able to be consistent. The dad didn't care as much about the baby crying or wasn't as sensitive to it, I should say. So the mom like left, like they made a compromise and they kind of left. I don't know if you have any thoughts about those like more practical things that moms can do to get them through or if you have anything else to add.
1: Yeah, those are all all great recommendations. Um, if I have someone who is super, super sensitive or has had like, like for me personally, we had kind of a traumatic um, event with my younger son shortly after he was born. Um, so when it came time to you know, do a little more sleep training with him, I, I wasn't okay hearing him cry because it triggered me, um, and took me back to, um, you know, what, what we went through with him a few days after his birth. Um, so there are instances where we're just not comfortable with it. And I would say in those cases, it's definitely a great idea to have your partner's step in and do the first few nights if possible. Um, I know with my first son, it only did take like three nights and he was good to go after that. Um, there's a reason my plans are two or three weeks long. However, some babies, all they need, if you have the right foundation, all they need is a couple nights of it and they're good to go. So it's almost like ripping off a Band-Aid. You know, it's it's the pain. It kind of stings, but it doesn't last very long. So um, that's one way to think about it and then having the dad or the partner do the first few nights whoever is less sensitive to it um, can kind of step up and remain consistent because we we just want to make sure that we are being totally consistent because it's not fair to the baby if you're not so we wouldn't ever want to have the baby cry for a certain amount of time and then give in and go offer them, you know, whatever it is they're looking for, whether it's the pacifier or breastfeeding, um, because we don't want to, you know, essentially condition them to cry for this amount of time and then get what you want exactly. Like that does exactly the opposite of what we want. So I just want to make sure that if you are super sensitive to crying, you're coming up with other ways to kind of curb that, to be fair to the child. Um, so, Going for a walk is great, getting out of the house, going out for dinner with a girlfriend while dad does bedtime. Um, heck, even going and taking a night in a hotel. If it's if you know that it's going to be that bad for you, like take care of yourself. Go go have a a bottle of wine in the hotel room, sit in the hot tub, watch some Hallmark movies, like just take some time for yourself if you know that you can't be around that. Um, you, it's, it can be tough for some moms but um, the the end result I promise is worth it because you will be in a much better place mentally um, also just like taking a really long shower during that during bedtime earplugs like you said music um, just trying to position yourself at the opposite end of the house <laughs> um, having a glass of wine or your drink of choice just you know, just to kind of help you relax at the end of the day and calm down, knowing that something stressful may be about to happen, Um, it just might help. So, yeah, I love that you're know, you bringing your up the about it. The fairness
0: piece, I think, is hugely important. I remember you're bringing me back to days when we were doing sleep training and it was still semi-new. Um, and kind of recently established, but we wanted to maintain that kind of 80-20 rule that you had talked about in the previous episode. Um, And I remember my mom was having a really hard time with sleep training. And I was like, I hear you, but I don't care. Like it was hard enough for me and it was hard enough for my son. You have to be consistent with it because like you said, it's not fair. It's not fair to the baby to you know, set them up to, well, I I was doing it this, this over here for mom, but now I'm doing it differently for grandma. It just confuses them. And I'm so glad that you brought up that point because we have to do the hard thing. Like if this is our decision, right? If this is not your decision, that's okay too. We're talking to the women who this is your decision. You've made the commitment and you want to get that support to kind of get through that initial hurdle. Then you have had to make the commitment, and in order to make the commitment, we also need to be consistent. And to not do that is really unfair to the whole system, right? Because you put in the effort as a parent, it's gonna come back and bite you in the butt more than likely. Um, and like you said, it's unfair to the baby too. So,
1: yeah, it's one of those things where if you're gonna do it, do it right. Because exactly, it's unfair to the baby. It's unfair to your partner. You know. and it's unfair to you. Like, don't put all this time and effort into something and then just flop out. Um, And I'm, I'm not like saying, if you know that it's going to be a struggle for you, make sure you have the support to help you through it. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to us about what that support looks like coming from your
0: perspective. So what does it look like for somebody to get involved with you? You can talk a little bit about The packages that you offer and all that good stuff if they did not hear it from the previous episode.
1: Yeah so if you feel like you are ready to make a change and wanting a little more guidance than just doing it on your own or you know you're going to need the extra support, uh, that's why I do what I do. So I have um, three different package options and My essential package is basically what you need to get going and then minimal support. So it's more of like a Erin, get me started and then it's DIY from here. Like I can handle it as long as I have a plan and know what to do. Um, So the essential package includes um, the 60 minute consultation to go over your personalized plan and then to support emails. There are also sleep logs that you fill out that I peek at a couple times a day just to see what's all going on. And if there's any recommendations I can make for you, I'll make comments on the logs. Um, But that's basically it. It's kind of bare bones. um, So that's my essential package. The next level is my preferred package. And that's everything that's included in the essential package that I just mentioned. But this is also um, a little more support. So if you know that you're gonna want someone cheering you on, guiding you, if you have a question today, like, and you wanna know the answer today, this is what you want. So that also includes voice and text support for those, the two-week period that we are implementing the plan. So you basically have me in your back pocket for that time. Um, And then my last option is the everything package. So this is for someone who knows that they're really going to need the support. They want access to me for the three weeks that we work together. So you get an additional week of support um, than the preferred package. And then in addition to that, um, there's also six months of email support. So um, it's kind of like that maintenance thing. If you you know that you're going to have issues down the road because of daylight savings or your family is going to be taking... Um, a week-long European vacation and you need help, you know, with the the time change, how do you navigate that with your nine-month-old or whatever? Um, I can help with all of that. So you shoot me an email and I respond within 24 hours. So it's, or if you get off track, you know, maybe your family went on a vacation and instead of doing the 80-20 rule, you did the 50-50 rule and you guys got off track and you need help getting back on. That's um, just kind of the maintenance package um, option with the emails for up to six months after the purchase date. Um, So that's essentially how I help families. Um, The process of working together usually goes like this. Um, People usually are referred to me or find me on Instagram or Facebook. Um, I direct them to a link to set up a discovery call with me. Obviously I want to hear like everything that's going on. So on this free call, we talk for about 20 minutes. You get the opportunity to just tell me what's going on, the judgment-free zone. I know that if you're on the phone with me, something's not right and you're looking to make changes and that's what I'm here for. Um, So we talk about all of that and then we talk about how I can help you. We go over the different package options and what you think you might need for support or what what you feel um, might be best for your family. Um, After that, I send you a brochure email so you can kind of see it all written out for you Um, and then you have, you know, time to decide if this is something you want to do or not um, and have a little help with it. So um, if you decide that, you know, we want to move forward with working together, you get a questionnaire to fill out. I use the questionnaire to help me personalize and write the sleep plan that's going to be best for your child and for your family based on, you know, your needs and everything you've told me in the questionnaire. Um, We uh, go over the sleep plan together on that 60-minute Zoom consultation. Uh, And then for two or three weeks, you are implementing the plan and filling out sleep logs for me. And we kind of go from there. And by the end of our time together, your little one is sleeping well
0: that sounds like sounds like it would have been such a dream I wish I would have found you earlier (laughs) I have a lot of people say that (laughs) I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure your services are one of those like like videography for a wedding right like it's priceless having done it it's like you would recommend that everybody do
1: it so oh my god I mean you think about the pricing and like, let's just say like my preferred package, for example, is $499. So, you know, when you think about it, that's for some families, like a month, month and a half worth of groceries. If you knew that you could invest that much and have a solid sleeper for the next however many years, like wouldn't you instantly be like, yes, that's worth it to me,
0: right? And after you think of how, I mean, I think of how much money we spent on, you know, (laughs) the gimmicks (laughs) or, you know, different noise machines or night lights and all this stuff. And it's like, we probably easily spent that much on, uh, you know, certain fun sleep sacks or, you know. Yeah, just the next thing, just in a desperation to try to get him to sleep a little
1: bit more. It's easy to get to almost $500 really quick. And $40 here, $20 there, I totally get it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Versus having you where you're teaching them skills, you're teaching them things that, you know, they're going to be able to take with them for forever, even beyond your time together.
1: So, and what I, you know, what I'm offering, the difference between me and all that stuff is, we get to the root cause of it, you know? So once your child has the skill that we are essentially able to teach them, um, you can always reteach them over time. And you don't have to go buy the next weighted blanket or you don't have to go buy the melatonin supplement um, because those aren't getting to the root cause of the issue. That's so true.
0: That's so true. And I'm so glad that you. I mean, yeah, I'm guilty too. (laughs) like, I'm totally that mom who has tried these drops and tried this and tried that. And yeah, it's definitely something that mamas should look into. And so you've already kind of mentioned your website, uh, your packages and all that. Let's just wrap up really quickly. If if women are wanting more from you, talk to them about your Instagram, your website, and then tell them um, about your free question Friday. Uh, all that good stuff and the awesome resources that you offer in your email subscription
1: list. Yes. So when you go to my website, latecountrysleep.com, I have a blog on there that it just covers tons of topics. So traveling for the holidays, um, how to promote uh, how I just came out with a blog this week, how to extend a short nap, Um, how you know when it's time to drop a nap, implementing a good bedtime routine, how to come up with the best bedtime routine for your child, Um, tons of information on the blog. So check that out. That's just a wealth of information. Um, Also on my website, you can subscribe to my email list. If you have a baby who is between zero and 12 months, I would recommend uh, subscribing with the download, which is my free guide to um, awake windows. So you get a whole free guide about dealing with um, different awake times, how to implement them, how to know when they need to be changed, and just some different methods to help you uh, with your baby in their awake windows. And then if your child's older than that, I have like a toddler bedtime checklist. It's like a sticker chart that you go through with your child uh, just to kind of help make bedtime fun and get them in a good routine. Um, when you do subscribe with either of those you're added to my email list my email list always gets um an email when my new blog posts are released as well as anytime I have promotions or any like seasonal tips and information so like we just wrapped up with daylight savings so that's something you know we talked a lot about or I sent a lot of information out about um Upcoming will be promotions for Black Friday and how to maintain your child's sleep over the holidays stuff like that. Um, so it's always great information. Um, and then If you follow me, I am also on Facebook and Instagram on Instagram. I do free question Fridays every Friday. So if you have a sleep question specific to your child. Hop on there on a Friday and shoot me your question, and I might answer it on my stories that day. So, just a fun little service I offer to um, help people out.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I talked to, I went, I gushed on Aaron in the last episode. So, I'll do it again here. I think that Aaron, just you have awesome content and you're a creator like I am, which means that you really value the content that you put out. And that's good news for my audience, good news for your audience, because they get to be their lucky recipients of all of that awesome knowledge and so talented, so creative. And like I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, her heart and soul is really in this and really in it to help women. So Erin, can you think of anything else related to mom guilt or sleep training or anything else in general that you think moms need to know?
1: I just think like, when it comes down to it, if what you're doing is what's best for you and your child, then there's no reason to feel guilty over it, regardless of what, what Aunt Sally's opinion is. You, you have an instinct for a reason, and you go with your gut, and you do what feels best for you and your child, and there is no guilt and no shame if you're following your instinct.